Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I am Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. It is the final game of the season. We are finally here, and the Dolphins are 4-11 going to Foxborough to face the 12-3 New England Patriots. Temperatures are expected to be in the low 40s. Patriots are favored by 16 points. And it's real simple for both teams. The Dolphins are fighting for draft position. The Bengals are locked in at number one. The Dolphins currently pick fifth. And if the Dolphins pull up a pull off a stunning upset here against New England, the lowest that they would drop to is sixth. So it actually might be worth rooting for the Dolphins here this weekend. And you look at the rest, and the main thing to focus on as far as value for the Dolphins this week is, assuming the Dolphins do lose here, then the Redskins, Lions, or Giants, if any of those teams do pick up a win, the Dolphins would leapfrog um, one or as many of those teams that lose. For the Patriots, very simple. Win in your, and you have another first-round bye, which makes all of us throw up here. But as far as the game's concerned, Paul, you know we, we keep going through a couple players every week as the injured reserve continues to build and build for the Dolphins and we as we continue to see more and more players uh, interwoven throughout the team. Who are some players in your mind that can really help or hurt their case and their stock heading into the 2020 season? So I'm going to I'm going to go through those and then I'm going to go back to something else that you just said cuz uh, I I'm absolutely intrigued and want to point it out again for our listeners. But as far as for the 2020 season, you have to look at some of the defensive ends. If 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 Sealer plays again this week or Siler, uh, I absolutely was enamored with him last weekend. And he's really that type of guy that can fit into that Brian Flores defense, fit that mold, and, and you can build that defensive line around a little bit. And now you're looking exclusively for somebody that's a pass rusher and can be that pass rush threat. I loved what I saw 
from from Flores this week where he basically said, you know, Chase Young falls to you. You've got a generational talent. You change your scheme and build around the talent that you've got. That's what I've, I've said for years on this show. I've said for years before we did this show, I wanted Miami to do. <clears throat> build around the talent they have. You look at linebacker, I, I want to see if Sam McGuavin can be that guy. I, I don't think he can at this point. I think he's a depth guy for, for this team. Um, you look along the secondary, there's a lot of jobs up for grabs in, in a, a set of positions that A, is going to get a few players back next year, and B, they're probably going to add to. If Miami's sitting around fifth or sixth in the draft, they're probably going to be grabbing somebody like an Akuda. And if that's the case, you know, all of a sudden your your perimeter is, is set and there's a possibility Miami goes after a Byron Jones in free agency, which we'll talk about a lot. So you've got a lot of guys auditioning for less jobs than there are right now. On top of that, you look at the offensive side of the ball. I think Patrick Laird's already got a job for next year as, as the third down back, but at wide receiver and tight end, you know, anyone not named Gasicki at tight end is auditioning for next year. Anybody not named Devontae Parker that's going to play this Sunday is auditioning for next year. I love Isaiah Ford, but he needs to continue to show what he has. He's a guy that's going to have a job in the NFL next year. Based on what he's shown thus far, he's going to get a little bit of a tryout with somebody if it's not the Dolphins. I want to see more out of him. I, I You know I love the guy coming out of Virginia Tech. Now that he's finally getting a real opportunity, he, he's making the most of it. Uh, Outside of him, I want to see if Albert Wilson can continue to show he's the player he was last year, who's an exciting, movable piece on that offense, because I think that's something that could really help complete the offense for 2020. Yeah, and I've got a few players on my list here, too. And to go back to something you said, Sam McGuavian there, over the last two weeks, I think he's played really well at inside linebacker. You know, I think that over the next couple of years, you're going to see Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker starting, but it's good to know that you've got a third inside linebacker that can step in and play at a moment's notice. He's somebody that we pointed out as somebody who needs to step up over the last couple of weeks, and I think he has. And you also factor in, he's 26 years old, he is one of the Dolphins' core special teams players, and he's second on the team in sacks, and first, if you don't have Taco Charlton on the active roster. I think he certainly has made the team here in 2020. Uh, a few other players I look at that, that need to step up. Linebacker Calvin Munson got on the field last year, played or, or last week, excuse me, played 38 snaps and, and did pretty well. Also, Evan Brown, two weeks ago against the Giants, we were looking at him as, as somebody that we wanted to see more of, but then didn't get any snaps last week. Uh, in the Bengals win. I hope he does get on the field. Tay Hayes at cornerback played 67 snaps, much to our surprise, after being picked up a few weeks ago. And we'll see if he takes that next step up because I also do think Nate Brooks the, at cornerback played a much, much better game in his second week with the team against the Bengals as opposed to his first week against the Giants. So remember last year in the final game, Jalen Davis finally gets on the field, and I think he played 15 snaps. And he had a forced fumble and a sack and a pass breakup. Didn't make the team the following year because he wasn't a good scheme fit, but is with the Arizona Cardinals right now as their third or fourth cornerback late in the season. So, so some things to look out for here, Paul. Um, but in terms of the, of what I'm 
really looking for as far as milestones. Ryan Fitzpatrick needs 291 yards passing for 3,500 for the season. Devontae Parker needs 35 yards for 1,100. Mike Gesicki needs 64 yards for 600. But Devontae Parker, I mean, that might look like a layup for that 35 yards, but last game against Stephon Gilmore in Miami in week two, he, Parker had seven targets, zero catches. So not exactly a slam dunk that, that he even gets those 35 yards. No, not at all. And and I want to go back to somebody you pointed out because I completely forgot to mention him. Tay Hayes looked really good last week, and he's somebody I definitely want to see a lot more of in in the game this week. One other thing I want to go back to as well. Did did you say Miami's worst pick that they could have in this draft is sixth? Uh, I believe so, yes. I just want to reiterate that for our listeners. Holy crap, let's go. Let, let's win this game. Let's make the Patriots play three playoff games before the, you know, prior to the Super Bowl. I don't see the Patriots as a team that can play three playoff caliber teams in a row and then a fourth and win a Super Bowl this year. I don't see them as that team. I think they're a very good team who's not as good as their record. They've played a lot of crap teams, including Miami early on, let's face it. And I just it's if we can ruin the Pats Super Bowl and not slide terribly in the draft, let's go. Yeah, I I, I got to be I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm typically all about draft position, but uh, I would have to say the difference between fifth and sixth might be worth the win in my eyes. And I know it is in your eyes. You're up in Patriots country there. It, now, on the other hand, if the Dolphins pull off a stunning upset again, I don't see, I think they're going to get blown out in this game. But say that they do shock us here with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, then and then I see the Giants win and the Redskins win, and now I'm thinking, well, damn, now we're picking sixth instead of third. Then I'm going to have a problem with it. And because the Giants and Redskins are playing at 3 o'clock, there's really no way to determine that. Um, so if looking at the rest of the teams here, yeah, so you've got the Bengals locked in at number one. You've got the Redskins at, at number two, and they play a home game against the Philadelphia Eagles in a very winnable game. And then as far as, as the the third spot there, you've got – the Detroit Lions playing at noon. They're 12-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Green Bay Packers. And then, again, at, at, at 4 o'clock, you've got the Giants playing somebody, and I'm, uh, the team is escaping me now. And then the Dolphins pick fifth, and then sixth. The Chargers uh, have the ability to leapfrog the Dolphins if they win. And, and the reason I say I think is because the seventh team, uh, whoever they are, it isn't too far off on the strength of schedule. So there, there's a possibility that I could stand corrected on that. But the lowest the Dolphins would pick is sixth or seventh. Again, if the Dolphins, if the other teams end up losing, then I think it is worth it for the Dolphins to win this game. But I don't think that they will. Um, Paul, Devontae Parker, what we said, needs 35 yards for 1,100. Mike Kosicki is standing at 536 right now. And the, the Patriots do a great job, obviously, of making the best players on the Dolphins and the rest of the NFL win from week to week and, and try to have, have you win with your, with your worst players, basically. So Mike Kosicki is 536. The highest 
tight end seasons from the Dolphins in, in history. First is Randy McMichael with 791 in 2004. Second, Charles Clay in 2013 with 759. Third, Keith Jackson, 673 in 1994. Fourth, Randy McMichael, 640 in 2006. Fifth, Keith Jackson again, 613 in 1993 with Dan Marino. And sixth, Charles Clay, 605 in 2014. So there are only... Six, six seasons for the Dolphins at tight end where they've had over 600 yards receiving. And Gusecki with a big game here might be able to uh, to jump into that category. He might. And, and I just want to go back to one thing real quick before we move on. Uh, the NFC East is all playing each other this weekend. It's Philly versus the Giants at 425 Eastern time and Washington versus Dallas at 425 Eastern time. All – games oh, that I wouldn't you. even want to try to predict this, this this week because the entire NFC East is is really earning that NFC least moniker. They are in a position right now where at best the NFC East can be won by a team with a 500 record. And yep. at worst, it's won by a team with a 500 record. It's disgusting and it looked potentially like it could be a division won by a losing team i always hate that going into week 16 17 when it looks like a team could actually have a losing record potentially and go to the damn playoffs that's just disgusting to me but anyway no i i I agree with you i i'd love to see gasicki jump into that conversation but i do have to say as well no matter whether he does or does not jump into that conversation this season has to be seen as a win for Mike Gusecki. He's a guy that we've all wanted to step up. I know I've been very vocal about earlier in the season wanting to see more from him. He's not a blocking tight end. I'm under no illusion there. It's, you know, if it comes down to a 50-yard play downfield a la Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki's down there and Parker's got somebody trailing him, don't expect Gasicki to be the guy that makes the block. Even if he tries, it's adorable when he tries sometimes. It, it just doesn't work. He, he has no ability to hit an opposing player whatsoever. And it, it, it's silly when he tries. And that's not who he is, though. We yeah, know what exactly. he is. He's a and, mismatch piece. And, and Gasicki, if, if Gasicki on an ongoing basis is going to be a 600, 800-yard receiving tight end, and he's playing – detached from the line a lot i'm fine with him not being a very good blocker my i think our point coming out of the draft was he better be that type of receiver uh, in the nfl if that's the case and we had our doubts about that because we thought his athleticism was a little bit overrated i I still think it kind of is but he has shown the ability to make a lot of great contested catches he did that at penn state too i didn't know if that would transfer as well to the nfl level but it has, and I'm, I'm very happy to see it. And that also shows, too, with Ryan Fitzpatrick that the value of putting him back in instead of Josh Rosen, because if Rosen had been thrown in there all year and said sink or swim, then we may not be talking about Parker and, and Gesicki as the players that they are now. And speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, at quarterback, last game against the Patriots, 11 for 21 for 89 yards, Three interceptions, no points scored in a 43 to nothing Patriots route. Since then, 
when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, statistics on the year, since the Patriots game in week, week two, 258 for 411, so completing 62.8% of his passes, 2,935 yards passing, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions, so a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio, 214 rushing yards, and three more touchdowns. So you're talking about somebody here who who has been one of the big – he just went, wins Dolphins MVP, very well-deserved. And, look, I, I think if all goes well and the Dolphins are going to have a different starting quarterback heading into 2020. But it, it's good to know at least that the Dolphins don't have to bend over backwards and try to find anybody to play the position like they were doing this past offseason. I'm with you there. I, I... Fitzpatrick has proven me pretty wrong uh, thus far. He's he's a guy that we all know. There's memes out there about the cycle of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's somebody that typically in the past has played in waves, and and really this season he's been solid overall. He, it was a rough start, but it was a rough start across the board. That typically will happen with a, a new coaching regime on a rebuilding team, and. Fitzpatrick has really proven himself with, with this team, with these players, with the staff. And you look back, I believe it was right before the Jets win. One thing I do want to point out here, it's there, there's a great article, I believe it was in the Herald, about the turning point in the season came the day after a really moving speech from, from Carl Durrell, who was with the Dolphins back in 2011 when they struggled and went, oh, and a lot and then he basically got up and talked about what happened back then the way they turned the turn things around finished the season six and three in the final nine games and, and the Dolphins seem to be all in you listen to these guys talk they don't talk like a four-win team and, and a lot of these guys won't be here next year but everybody that that's returning is only going to help the culture for next year with free agents, with rookies, you name it, because it sounds like everyone in that building is all in on this system, on this process, you name it. So I'm excited for that. I really am, and and it'd be really great if they did it, went out with that win over the Pats tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And what I like about what I've been reading is that – Brian Flores accompanies a very effective technique that he learned from Bill Belichick. Throughout the week, he goes up to the players and he said, here's the situation, what would you do? And you better give him a good answer or he's going to think you're not prepared for the game and he's going to ream you out on it. I, you know, it's, it seems very common sense, but it's something I don't think a lot of coaches do. And you can see it on Sunday playing situational football where players are where they're supposed to be. You know, we've seen on defense over the last 10 years with with uh, Burke and Kevin Coyle and Vance Joseph, defensively it, it seems like these players can't think on their own. But it, we haven't seen that really on defense. So kudos to this coaching staff. I like what I see so far. I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to until the Dolphins acquire talent and we start seeing – him try to get from not from a four-win team to an eight-win team to a playoff team. That's when it's going to get really interesting. But, Paul, as far as Albert Wilson is concerned here, so my hope right now is that Albert Wilson you know, uh, plays a great game here and 
he agrees to a pay cut in the offseason. And I think he, for the patience the Dolphins showed over the last two years, I mean, he missed the last ten games, and then really up until three weeks ago, he was averaging five and a half yards a catch. And the Dolphins still continued to put him in the game plan, even though they had wide receivers on the back end of the roster that were stepping up. So I hope he's back, and I hope he takes a pay cut to stay. But if he refuses that pay cut, the Dolphins can save $9.5 million by cutting him next year. Would you do that, or would you hang on to him? Here's the thing. I don't think approaching a player, asking them to take a pay cut, going into next season is going to be well-received, and here's why. If no, 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 hold on. Let me, let, me ref- let, me, uh, let me rephrase that. Um, Albert Wilson, let's say Albert Wilson has a good game here, uh, third yeah. in a row. Say, is, you know, seven catches, 80 yards. And then mm-hmm. this upcoming offseason, you know, the Dolphins are looking at their roster, and then they go to Albert Wilson to take a pay cut from um, where they could otherwise save $9.5 million. Would you keep Albert Wilson – uh, at that same price tag, or would you make the cut? No, I know exactly where, where you're going with this, but it's 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 something that I've got to I've got to preface here. It's when when you're a team that's walking into the off season with a speculated 120 to 150 million in in cap space, something that, in all honesty, unless you're just going on a damn shopping spree in free agency and, and, and buying things you don't need or want uh, just, just to spend the money. Walking up to a veteran like Albert Wilson and, and asking him to take a pay cut from, I believe his, his cap number for next year is, is 8 million. Correct. Is that uh, roughly what it is? According to an article from Barry Jackson, the Dolphins can save nine and a half million by cutting it. Right. I think that's, I think that's over the next two years, if I'm correct. Um, uh, but re- regardless, it's he's he's under ten million a year. He's a guy that's shown he can produce, and, and there is the injury worry. And, and walking up to him and asking him to take a pay cut when you've got an absolute treasure chest sitting there ready to spend on players anyway. If if they go out and they spend the money, you can't you can't hit him right away with this. You just can't. Um, if they go out and they spend a bunch of money in free agency. That cap number has shrunken down at this point. And, and then at that point, they want to approach him about a pay cut. It's going to be a lot more well-received. If they hit him right at the start of free agency and say, hey, Albert, we've got $150 million in, in cap money out there, and we'd really like it to be you know, either $155 million or $153 million, or it's going to be $159.5 million. Which one's it going to be? That, and and they may not approach it that way, but his agent sitting at the table is going to go, dude, you have $150 million in cap space, and you're quibbling over this 2 to $3 million from a guy that's shown he can produce. He's just been hurt. No, we're not taking that. And And you're going to potentially hurt yourself visibly with the players more so than, than that 2 or $3 million that you're going to save is worth. And – you know, if from a talent perspective they want to part ways, I get it. If from an injury history perspective they want to part ways, I get it. If we were talking about a $15 million a year wide receiver that 
we need to dial it back on. I get it. But sub $10 million a year with the talent level Albert Wilson has, keep him or cut him at this point or wait until you need the cap space to make that adjustment. I, if that's the scenario and, you know, it, whether it's eight or nine and a half million, it, I, I'm still making that cut uh, to be quite honest with you, because I think you can, you can stick somebody in there at a fraction of that cost. And it's a very deep wide receiver class. Uh, what I don't want to have happen is you cut Albert Wilson um, over, you know, when you do have the money that you talked about, and then you turn around and say, well, now we got to replace Albert Wilson. So we got to take a wide receiver here in the second round. That's what I would be upset with. If, if you're going to, if you're going to cut him, then you better replace him for very cheap. Cause that's the point. And you're right. The dolphins have all the money in the world, but I also think too, that you, if you're talking about, you know, keeping a guy instead of saving eight to nine and a half million, I'm not keeping somebody of Albert Wilson's caliber. Uh, it, you know, he's he's a he's a good player, but I, I don't think he's a great player. And if if he's had any injury problems, he becomes a useless player. So that that's where I stand on that. I overall I think he's good. I'd like for him to take a pay cut, come back next year, and for the Dolphins to work it out. And I I actually think that Albert Wilson owes that to the Dolphins for the patience that they've shown with him. But if you flat out ask him for a pay cut after he's worked all his way back to get back to the player that you expected him to be, and now he's there and he's still in his prime, and then you cut him, it'll go back to, well, why'd you sign this guy in the first place a couple of years ago? So I know it was a different regime, but points still stand. So anyway, got off track there. Um, Paul, a lot of different things we can talk about here in the off season. Patriots are favored by 16 points here in new England. The dolphins roster is very depleted. The Patriots are not a team that exactly chokes in the final week, uh, when they're, when they're really playing for something. And Tom Brady has never lost to the dolphins in Foxborough. And again, that he started from beginning to end. So I know you want the Dolphins to win, but I'm going to ask you to think with your brain, not your heart here. What's your prediction for the game? Well, the way that you beat the the Patriots this year is different than in years past. It's you want the ball in Tom Brady's hands. You want him throwing the ball and you've got the one big thing that's the same is you've got to hit him early and often. Unfortunately, I think the Dolphins are too depleted to hit him early and often. And you have to play mistake-free football, unless Miami pulls out something wildcatish that the Patriots are not expecting and have no answers for. I see the Patriots winning this one. I think it's going to be closer than than people expect, but twenty-three to thirteen, New England. Yeah, I'm going to go with thirty-five to seventeen, New England in this one. Uh, I think it's important that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker connect at least several times and the Dolphins put points on the board because the momentum you have going into the offseason is that Ryan Fitzpatrick, this led offense, does put points on the board. They have surprised people. But if you look at the end of the year and say, okay, well, the best team in your division, you played them two games, you threw seven interceptions and only scored seven points in two games. That I think that's something you can it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. So I I think that 35 to 17 would be a a 
reasonable type of game, especially if the Dolphins put up some points on the board. The point spread is 16. The Dolphins have been known to cover that. So let's see if they do here in this game. And that will be our final wrap-up of a game here in the 2019 season. It is a grind. We all know that as Dolphins fans. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Uh, and you can follow us personally on, on Twitter at Brian Cat and Fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Fence side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.